Welcome to episode 825 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode 825 of Iron Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? I'm pretty good, Bevan. It's going to be a big week. Why is that? Because we've got the sub seven and sub eight hour attempts this weekend coming up. It's exciting times ahead. We'll and the cone about. of 70.3. But you're going to win. Mm. You're previous winner. When you go there, do you go? Do you have a t-shirt that says, I'm the previous winner? Yeah. yeah. And I issue one to everybody in the camp going, yeah. I'm with him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with the previous winner. Yeah. <laughs> uh, your, your name must be Do they have a trophy? No No I suppose they, you don't have a triathlon do you? You don't have a trophy That kind of gets a name Added to it every year No oh, I do that with some of my events oh, great. No, I love it yeah. I think that's cool But you don't really do it in a triathlon No Dude it was really funny once Years ago we went to a mate's house And his boy went to The same high school that I went to And my name was on one of the trophies And mm. a few of my mate's names You know it was, mm. this was like 20 years later it was Yeah cool Gold. Okay. Um, Iron Talk is proudly brought to you by our great patrons. You go first, John. Iona Snowtrooper McKenzie, who ironically is actually in Kona with us this week. She was my roommate mm-hmm. when we were in Kona. Uh, Phil, big brown whitehead. And Ken, rocking the free world young. And this week's show, we've got some news. We've got a hot topic. We've got an interview with a guy called Owen Everett uh, around. Running technique, running, looking after your body. He was also a very good runner, so it was interesting talking mm. to him about his running. Uh, high five, age group is of the week, wing of the week, questions up. We've got a lot of stuff. We might we might cut some of this. Oh, my God. Okay, this weekend, big thing that's happening is the sub seven, sub eight. Doc, so it's sub, So the website is www.sub7sub8.com. Yeah. Okay. And we have lining up Alistair Brownlee and Christian Blumenfeld on the boys' side. And then on the female side, we have Cat Matthews going up against uh, Nicholas Sperrig. So it is a race for the win as well as a race for the fastest time. Uh, they do have a reserve day. So it's supposed to be on the Sunday, the 5th of June, but their backup day is the 6th of June. There's no exact time, start time. They'll have that in mind, but these guys are going to be wanting to optimize everything um, to the letter in terms of getting great conditions. So if it's going to be a bit shitty in the morning, they'll probably do it in the afternoon. And we've got to remember that, you know, they've got a, a seven or eight hour window. So in theory, don't need to start till a little bit later. Might start earlier. Who knows? At this stage, we don't know when they're going to start. Uh, there is going to be coverage on all the different platforms by the look of it. So just go to sub7sub8.com and you'll be able to get links off to their um, Just one thing, John. Channels. If you go to the website, they've got, do you think it can be done for both the males and females? Mm-hmm. Percentage-wise, the public think... There's a 61% chance of the men getting it. Mm-hmm. There's an 86% chance of the female getting it. Mm. They might have changed though since Lucy Charles dropped out. No, no, out. because I voted just then. Oh, you did? Yeah. But in the early votes might have swung it oh, in her okay. favour. Yeah, maybe. So yeah, if those of you don't know, Lucy Charles was originally down to do it. Obviously, she's injured and not available. So yeah, it's going to be going to be interesting. Um, they're going to do it around a racetrack with nice straight lines. So they swim at a, a, a in a lake, do a point to point swim, I think it is, and then 
they bike to a racetrack and then they're basically doing racetrack uh, riding for and, and running as well. Going to have um, 10 or 11 sort of supporters throughout the day and they can utilise them however they want. By the look of it, they're pretty much utilising most of them in the bike leg. So we haven't really heard at this stage, we are recording this a week early, what the makeup of the teams are for the swim and the, 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 the run in terms of any tactics and they may not even disclose that until we actually uh, see them going. So I think the things that are going to be interesting for me is how many people they deploy in the swim. I suspect it would only be a couple um, and then equally what... And we're thinking swim runner. Swim runner, yep. So triathletes and then how they're going to structure this on the bike. You know, we discussed it briefly last week. Are they just going to do a, are they, yeah, yeah. Are they just going to do a straight line or are they going to do oh, yeah. um, sort of, you know, two abreast and then your, your point man And in the, in the, the men's field, it looked like they'd gone for traditional cyclists. Mm-hmm. Females are more triathletes. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think that was a, a case of more who was available, not necessarily what they wanted to do. So, yeah, a lot of people not into this. I'm sort of on the fence a bit. I'm interested in it. Yeah, I'm um, but I'm not nowhere near as excited as I would be for, say, St. George or Kona. Um, and, and I'm nowhere near as excited as what I was for the sub two. Mm-hmm. I watched both the sub twos. I don't know if I'll watch this. Mm. I might have a passing interest. I will have a passing interest. I might drop in a couple of times a day. Whereas, well, it's going to be through our night, so it's not going to be very oh, okay. easy for us so, to watch. Um, whereas the sub two, I watched both attempts, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, two hours is different to seven or eight. Yeah, hours. that's what I mean. You know, you like know? It's, a, it's a different commitment, isn't it? Yeah, if this was some Olympic distance thing, say a triathlon two hour event, I might go, Yeah, I'll probably watch it all. It's not going to be riveting watching, it's going to be really interesting to see how it unfolds. And it could get really exciting on the run the if they're close. Case for it? Oh, what's that business case for <laughs> if they well, do? Who's it? funding it? Phoenix Foundation or whatever, isn't it? They do good work, don't they? Aren't they the foundation that gets kids involved in the, the pretty powerful stuff? We should know this. I think I think they are, yeah. Anyhow, in terms of what the current records stand, it's 7 hours 21 is from Blumenfeld when he did Cozumel. It was Listen a, that times, 39, 402, 235. Yeah, so the swim is current assisted, so the swim doesn't really count, so you've got to add a few more minutes on there. But the bike was accurate and the run was accurate. In fact, the bike was fractionally long, so you do need to add on a good six minutes or so for the for the swim. So in theory, you know, it's pretty similar to what Frodo did. Um, was you know high high 720s. So we've basically got to see the knockoff, you know, a good 25 minutes on whatever's been done before. On the female side, Chrissy uh, did 818 and wrote in 2011. Obviously, in that course, it's um, well the advantage is, is it's a bit short on both the bike and the run, uh, but the bike course is pretty challenging. It's not well. It's not a flat, super fast bike course. You know, it's uh, there's quite a few hills to deal with, which is good and bad. And the other advantage you have in road is you've got a soft surface for for a good chunk of the run, which sort of preserves your legs. So, whichever way you look at it, yeah, though the females that are lining up have not been in the same realm as Chrissy. You know, so both the males and females sort of have to chop a good twenty five minutes off, I think, to to make this happen. In terms of splits I've got to do, roughly, and the, and the women's splits without transitions, I've sort of estimated, you know, 52 minutes swim, 
4 hours 20 on the bike, that's holding 41.5 kilometres per hour, and then a 2.48 marathon, which is running at 3.59 per K split. Don't know what it is in miles, sorry. The men's, I've sort of said, you know, about a 48-minute swim. Brownlee will probably go a bit quicker than that, but Blumenfeld probably won't. Uh, 3 hours 43 on the bike, that's averaging 48.4 kilometres per hour, and then a 2.29 run, which is averaging 3 minutes and 32, and that would have them bang on sort of seven hours mm. pretty quick pretty quick but they're, t- they're talking a big game you know there's just complete confidence that they're going to do this but you'd say that when you're in the thick of it you know you're not going to go oh no no well yeah. unless you, you you've got to think there's a chance to say that mm. but they just seem convinced that this is going down like the guys you know when we talk to joe skipper and you hear christian blumenfeld talking like they're convinced they're going to do this well yeah. the thing is can you bank more time on the bike mm. You know what I mean? Like, because you're saying the men have to do a 229 run. Mm. Can you bank more time? Can you get it so that you get that bike, that bike down to 330? I, I think it's exponentially harder. You know, each kilometre yeah. after about yeah. sort of probably for these guys, probably around that 40, for the guys, maybe 46. Each kilometre per hour is, I think, exponentially harder. So it just seems Because for the female, fast. you would say a 248 marathon for the right person's possible. Yeah, for, for say, a runner. You know, if she ran 250 yeah. in Kona, yeah. then she's probably got a 245 in her at least yeah. on the right day. Kat Matthews put in some great run splits. Nicholas Spirig, who knows what the hell she's going to do. Um, but Kat Matthews is... I just yeah. wonder if they need to bank more time on the bike. Mm. You know, like, you know, because it's 229. I know Bloomfield's done a 235. Six minutes, that, that's a big difference. It is. You know, that's a big difference. But now, but you're going to be more rested off the bike. And 2.35 in hot conditions, not under any pressure. Um, how much quicker could he have gone? So, yeah, I would agree. You want to bank a little bit of time on yeah, the... On the more the, time they get... Like, you'll kind of get a good idea once they get off the bike, I reckon. Mm. You'll get... No, you know, like, if it, if it is 2.30, then it's like, wow, this is going to be a good challenge. Mm. Um, also, what happens if no one gets it? Yeah, it's going to be a... Fizzle. And you'll know pretty quick. Yeah. It was like when, like, the first two-hour attempt was actually pretty good because they only really didn't make it until, like, the last five minutes. Yeah. Whereas if, if they get, like, quarter of the way through the marathon, it's like, this ain't happening. Yeah. <laughs> a bit of a bummer. So oh, I hope they get it. Yep. I want them to get it. Mm. Yeah. So. so good luck to them. And you can get tickets. You can go, If you're in Germany, you want to go to Germany, you can go over there and get tickets and go and watch it. Oh, okay. Good mm. stuff. There you go. A good day out. Right. You know, I wonder if they've got another little events happening at the same day. Probably not, but they should do that. Conditions are going to be critical, though. Like, it's just, if they get shitty weather conditions or moderate weather conditions, we saw it. It was like for Frodo and Sanders when they did the that sort of, you know, two-up sort of race. It was horrendous, and they still, he still went so quick. Um, and you just see... What did some, he do that day? Oh, was it 720, 720-something? Yeah, he broke the world record, didn't he? Yeah. Solo. Uh, so this is going to be yeah I'm looking forward to it will I watch it well if it was in my correct time zone I probably would just have it on and I wouldn't have me yeah, watching it all day but for us it's going to be a pretty shitty time zone okay we don't need to do this discussion because um, oh let's post it if one of us no, might no, remember because, to do it because oh okay you can so then next week we can do a double whammy okay you can do it so on an excitement scale I'll put it in the show notes on an excitement scale of 1 to 10 with Kona being a 10 like each year if you get excited for a race Kona's probably going to be the one you get most excited for. What level of excitement do you have for the sub seven, sub eight hour attempt coming this weekend? We also have coming this weekend is we have the Ironman Hamburg, which is also the European Championships um, for the females field, that is. Uh, 
Let's have a look at this field. We're talking last week. We were talking about how the female or the championship fields aren't as good as maybe what we would hope they would have been when they introduced the, the championship races. Mm. And you'd argue the same here. Yeah, it's a good field. Um, we good, good first f- bunch of athletes. So you've got fifteen percent of a typical Kona field. Three Kona. So that's not that strong, is it? No, three three uh, slots available, um, and you've got seventy five thousand dollars US paying ten deep. Laura Phillip, um, she would have been good to have in the sub. Eight this weekend. Um, she, in terms of her form over the last twelve months, it's been pretty bloody impressive. Uh, so she's predicted to win by seventeen minutes over Daniela Blamler. Um, and then, yeah, yeah. In terms of the rest of the field, we've got some some you know Chelsea Sedaros in there. It looks like it might be her Ironman debut, which is kind of surprising. Uh, you got Nikki Bartlett who won a seventy point three. Um, the weekend before last, uh, so yeah, good, good steady field. But as Bevan said, fifteen percent of a Kona field. You've only got a couple of athletes there who've sort of What's been the, the top ten, seventy-five thousand US. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. it's up there for for Ironman racing. It doesn't seem, it just doesn't seem that much. But that's yeah. But pretty we think Brazil last weekend was only twenty-five. Mm. You know, like it's a, it's good enough, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah. Twenty-five's a joke. Yeah. Yeah, 25 is a joke for, mm. for both fields. Mm. And this is only the female field at least. Yeah. You know, so 75k is going to that field only. Do the math on that one when you've got 3,000 people racing. What's all that about, Willis? Okay, Jombo, let's talk about this. Um, we have an interview coming up uh, with a man by the name of Owen Everett. And he is, he was, it was actually really cool because I talked to him for about 35 minutes. Uh, but it turns out he was a very good runner. Didn't quite get to the Olympics, but kind of, not far off the Olympics. Mm-hmm. And so we have a pretty cool discussion about that. He's also a, a bit of a, a expert around the body. So he gives some tips on how athletes can avoid injuries uh, and ways to work on their technique and just some really good physio kind of body mechanic kind of stuff as well. So here he is right now. Right. Right, team. So I've got Dr. Owen Everett on the show today. Maybe just give us a bit of an introduction about yourself, mate. Hi, Bevan. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Really yeah. appreciate it. Really like the show. So it's uh, it's great to be a guest. Yeah. Um, yeah. So my name's Owen Everard. Um, I'm from Ireland. I have a PhD in biomechanics and professionally I'm a chartered physiotherapist. So I've been working with like elite sports athletes for, you know, over 10 years. A lot of, um, you know, kind of high level rugby players. Um, and then in particularly like, triathletes uh, and Olympic athlete runners um, from over the different years. I suppose professionally then, um, in my own background, then I also run at a relatively high level. I've won like, say, five Irish championships. I've ran for Ireland at European level from like 800 metres and 1500 metres at the senior track championships and then 10,000 metres at the cross country. So, um, you know, your times are pretty smoking. You, like, you, you tell us your times. You, you, you know, yeah, like so I've, I have a nice. I like uh, while they're not like elite, elite. They're nice across the board. So I ran say a sub four minute mile, and then I ran seven fifty seven for five k, uh, thirteen fifty eight. Or sorry, seven fifty seven for three k, thirteen fifty eight for five k, and then just last week I ran twenty nine, um, fifty two for 10k so it's a nice little range yeah. i'm kind of in the odds for the whole bit so, so, so uh, what, what was the hardest one of those you know like when you think about the hardest yeah. effort uh definitely i would say the 5k because i'm i was naturally like 
you know, I've ran 48 seconds for say 400 meters. So I was naturally an 800 meter runner growing up. Okay. And then 1500 was definitely my sweet spot. I ran like say 339 or so I was very good around like, you know, like 220 for a K. I was very like quick. Um, and to be fair, I'm, I'm 36 now. So I did that until maybe like 33. Yeah. Um, so I didn't know if I'd break the, the 14. I remember the first couple of attempts I did it. I was like, oh my God, this is a lot harder <laughs> than, I, <laughs> than I predicted. So um, I got that last year. So that was tough. Then this year, like, like training longer, just you do need to do a little more um, injury prevention work just so I wouldn't break down. So to break the 10K was just nice, you know, as well. But uh, yeah, definitely. I think the 5K, that was a mix between up the distance, which I'm not as good at, and then still having to do like a very sustained effort. And being, a, you know, champion, have you gone to some of the bigger meets around the world or, or, or your time's not oh, quite yeah. enough? Yeah. So what's yeah, it like yeah, when you yeah. go to those? It's good. Like, um, for me, because I was like, like, say if this is the A level, I was probably at B level. Yeah. Um, it was more like trying to make a final, just kind of enjoy, like the goal was just nearly getting there. And yeah, okay. There's, there's too much, um, there's, you know, like not everybody can win. It's only doing your best, you know? And yeah. I know sometimes people looking on for the outside and go, oh God, that's very defeatist. I'd try to win or like I yeah. won a load of races. Um, but there was other times it's just like enjoying it because like my sister went to the Olympics and I can tell you like at every level, and I said, I went to world student games and European senior championships, but at every level at one stage, there's only one person that's really happy and that's the winner. Yeah. So you've got to kind of have perspective in what you're doing. Yeah. Um, and that really helps because when I was younger, I was very, very good as a junior athlete but I didn't enjoy running at all. I was always constantly felt like, you know, I better not let these people down or people oh, expecting of me. And then I had a year where I ran terribly and it was the best thing that ever happened because you're, you realize your friends are still your friends, your family are still uh, your family. They don't care how you do. So I'll, I'll still be accepted even if my performance doesn't deliver. Exactly. Yeah. I, yeah. I want to write a book called No One Gives an S yeah. because it, it, it just gave me that perspective. After that, then I just really enjoyed running. Oh, really? And, and, I, and ironically, got a lot more out of myself because, you know, you realize, listen, you're only doing it for yourself, like at all levels, really, you know. But uh, yeah, so that and then I would have ran really good meat against like Mo Farah, Matt Senchwitz, like Oxy over in America. Like, you know, there might be like 10 in that race um, just hanging on the back. So, yeah, I've had some really good races and uh, enjoyed them. Like, I remember yeah, I, I worked with Chantelle Brenner, who you wouldn't know. She, she was a New Zealand long jumper. Um, oh, she went to the Olympics. and But she was saying that the problem is people don't appreciate how hard it is just to get to the Olympics. You know, like to win a medal is, is something special. But if you're at the Olympics, you're, you're a beast of an athlete. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like people, um, people don't really get like percentages and stuff that like yeah. for you to go, you have to be like the top yeah. whatever percent, like, you know, top 0. 0.001%. Yeah. 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 Do you know? So it's like, like, as I said, I broke the four minute mile. I'm the only person in my like, say like county that's done that. I've won all Ireland, but yeah, I was still a mile away. Like I was still not. I was still three seconds off the Olympics when I was at my best. So yeah. it's just, it's perspective. Like we have local, um, we have local sports here, like Gaelic games and it's a great game to watch. But if you're, if you're winning, 
even though that's like you have to be the best of like say 30,000 or 50,000 yeah. people you get way more kudos than if you're like I'm probably the best of maybe like two or three million people who are running but because it's not I'm not better than the the other 50 you know yeah. it doesn't it doesn't work out the percentages so yeah it's just interesting isn't it what's it like when you go when you are around those you know because as you say you're a very good athlete who's gone to a very high level but then there is that kind of next tier um what's it like when you're with those guys is there an ego with those guys or is it or are they actually pretty cool pretty relaxed i'm sure it's there's no stereotype and i'm sure there's different types and also I, I what's find it like- that i find that like triathletes and runners in general like as i said i've I've, I've been a physio for a lot of different sports, but I find that, and I'm not just saying this because we're on a triathlete podcast yeah. and I suppose I am a runner, so I am going to be biased, but running and triathlons make you very humble. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, if you're playing rugby or whatever, um, you can always say the ref did you over or coach didn't like you. In like triathlons and running, your times are your times. So you 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 get very humble because, and we've all had uh, way more bad races than good races. Mm. So I find that even at an elite level and then look, the money isn't crazy. So they're not going nuts or anything. So I find that they're very humble the whole way. The big difference I found that between like, so like at every level, the level above, it's not like one training session they can do. It's, it's, it's what they're willing to do like consistently every day. Like, so I'll tell you an example. I was at a certain level. I would say maybe like national level, but not international level. And there was a, my coach who became my coach. He wasn't my coach at the time, Thomas Chamney. He went to the Olympics and all the guys around me would be saying, Oh, you know, don't go to him. He'll, he'll break you. Like, you know, he trains too hard and uh, it'll be too tough. I got to an age where I was like, you know, I'd ran crap for that year. And I was like, you know what? I may as well try it. Like, cause I'm going nowhere anyway. When training with him and realized that it wasn't that there was no one session that he would like destroy me in, but it was just like relentless. He would do his strides after runs. He would like the next day he would be, he'd be running. He'd do his core work. He'd do he, just co- like constantly going at a, a higher level. So there's never one really hard session that you could say that's why he's better it's just like this constant relentless attitude and then i had a chance to train and do a bit of physio with the australian team and again people are like oh no their level is crazy they break a lot of athletes but again when it went it wasn't like that it wasn't like there was just this ridiculous training session that i did with them that i just couldn't handle i could handle all the training but it was just like they'd have i think called triple tuesdays triple thursdays and triple Saturday. So you do a session in the morning, you'd go and do gym at like one or two o'clock, and then you'd have another easier run in the evening. Do you know? So it was just like, yeah. but you'd have to sleep, you'd have to eat, you'd get up again, you'd train hard. It was just like constantly feeling slightly tired. But that just over time made you very fit. And, and you know, for you, obviously you were studying, probably had a bit of a career on the side. Was that a hard balance to get right? Like, did you did you feel that if I could have committed everything, I could have gone further, or, or but you know, or, or was that not the case? No, I no. don't know. Yeah, look, no. When I was training with the Australians, yeah, that is a full time job, and there was definitely like sacrifice for me, where like I was having my career, but no, like I don't think I had the um, like mentality wise. I went full time for a year; it didn't suit me. Yeah, I okay. run better. Like, there's only triathlon is different that there is a lot of training to be done you know you need to be swimming 
um, you know, we need to be on the bike, which takes a lot of time. So that, that would be different. But for me, if I had a career where I could work in little parts and that was enough to distract me, I find some, you gotta, I think you gotta understand how you work best. I, for me, what worked best when I was say at an elite level was work, do my training, but then go for like blocks of like altitude for like three, four weeks and, and, and at an important times, like say in April or it coming into the summer. So I could use those blocks, maybe another one in the winter to like boost up and have that um, full-time training effect, mm. but not be at that for so long that I overthink the, the things because my brain goes a lot. So I, I need to, <laughs> it's just good to have distractions. And yeah, it's important just to know what suits you. Hey, so so we got you on the show to talk about some um, kind of back injuries and kind of things that you see as as a physio and, and someone who's got a PhD in biomechanics. So, um, talk to me about what the difference between kind of injuries that you're going to see between triathletes and runners and maybe different types of athletes, like yeah, it's, you know, field it's sports and great, stuff. Great place to start, Bevan. Like, I think it's one is knowing what type of injuries we get. You you compared to a rugby player, or a soccer player um a sprinter you never hear like triathletes or runners get muscle tears no one's ever like i'm out with a hamstring tear mm-hmm. their hamstring might be in spasm but it's generally like achilles tendonitis it's generally like knee pain uh calf issues uh, like shin splints hip that type of thing what what how they differentiate differ, uh, differentiate is that they are passive injuries so the passive structures of the body are the tendons, the ligaments, and the joints. You, just, they just naturally give you support. What happens is our muscular systems, running and cycling, um, swimming slightly does, but running and cycling in particular do not lend themselves to activating muscles. Okay, so what can happen is it's great to burn calories, but it doesn't naturally activate muscles like stabilizer muscles. So mm-hmm. that muscular system becomes lazy. Also, then a lot of a lot of triathletes and runners have um, have reduced variation. They just do the same type of mileage at the same type of speed. So now not only you have the muscular system not working, taking the load and the passive system is overworked. You also have the system uh, just working through a very small range of motion. So rather than the whole tendency sharing the load, it's just repeatedly like it's repeatedly stressed in this smaller range, which mm-hmm. again, overstresses it. And that's why we get those type of injuries. That's why you have people who have these chronic plantar fasciitis, Achilles tendonitis, ITB friction syndrome, the passive systems of the body have become overloaded because of the small variation and because of the lack of the muscular system working. So there's generally like three things I, I would recommend people to do there. The first ones would be variation. That's why like, you know, coaches like yourself, Bevan, are so important, not only for, you know, physiologically to get the best out of people performance wise, but you will naturally put in some tempo runs, some strides, some, um, some natural variation. So people like changing their runners, like having two pairs of like trainers that they might wear, they'll have, have different one. You might have like do 10 minutes barefoot on grass, say changing that, changing the running surface. Maybe you run on grass one day, the road, a trail. This keeps a variation in the body, which stimulates the 
muscular system and makes different parts of that passive, passive tissue get work. So it's not always that one spot on the plantar fascia that's getting overloaded. Mm-hmm. Um, putting in, like, as you said, threshold work or some like interval work where you're moving the body in different ranges, again, changes the stress points on the body. The second one would be to have at least one type of muscular session per week. That could be like a sports Pilates session, or it could be a gym. The idea behind that being you're trying to strengthen the muscular system to essentially wake it up. It'd be like if me and you, Bevan, were like great friends. If you're sleeping in the car and I get into a fight, I'm going to have to do that on my own because you're just not awake. If you're good awake, friend. Like, exactly. Yeah, good friends. But if you're awake and you're a good friend and someone's like starting a fight on me, you're going to come in and help me. Mm. It's the same. If the muscular system is woken up, it will naturally activate and take some of the load from the passive structures. Mm. But essentially, it's like dormant. So you need to do like, you know, I recommend about 40 minutes once a week of work that will activate the muscles effectively um so i can talk about some of the exercises that i would recommend and if you want i can just i'll send you a link you can we can put in the show notes of like i can go into a little youtube video i'll just do it up like five minutes here's like the key exercises i would recommend people to do yeah okay well especially for any like ankle or uh plantar fasciitis or achilles tendonitis my favorite exercise to do for runners in particular is um a single leg deadlift, which essentially is you stand on one leg, you bring the other leg back as your body comes forward. So you stay in a straight line. Yeah. I would hold that for like, say, five to 10 seconds and repeat that about 10 times. The key again is you want to get these muscles burning. You can add weight again if you wanted to like, but the idea being have it that these muscles are burning that you feel like you can't even stand anymore because that then is going to get them really switched on so that when you're running, now those muscles are firing, they're naturally going to take a lot of the pressure off. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, like I'm not a big proponent of the heel drops, heel raises for Achilles tendonitis. It's okay if you're, if I would do that, if, you know, someone had it for like, say a, a good few months that we feel like the tendon might be like actually very irritated, heel drops, heel raises, it can cause like a little micro massage. Yeah. A lot of times I find like the calf and the Achilles are overloaded. They're overworked. So my strategy is doing a single leg deadlift. It puts a tension through that, but doesn't have it moving too much. And it really gets the hamstrings and the glutes working a lot mm. more. So yeah. if we do our bridging, it's about like getting the, getting the areas that are um, not working enough to work enough to take the load off the area. Same with like if someone has knee pain and they're doing a lot of squats and lunges. Okay. Initially, if we need to like, or later on, if it's, we need to like load up a patellar tendon, but my thing initially will be take those away, get other muscles around the glutes and the ankles working a lot more to take pressure off these areas. So what you're saying is by adding the strength work to those areas, that actually going to engage more when you're doing the movement you like, which is going to take a bit of pressure off. And then exactly. we give it a yeah, chance yeah, to, yeah. to okay, nice. Injuries, injuries occur because of load. Yeah. The load is too much on the passive structures, the ligaments, the tendons, and the joints. In soccer, in rugby, in sprinting, 
the muscles have to fire in sprinting. So they're this, these systems are naturally engaged. Yeah. So they don't get as many like shin splint injuries or, you know, you rarely hear someone's out with like, oh, plantar fasciitis in soccer. It's mm. more muscle tears because the muscular system is really loaded. Stressed, yeah. So yeah, we need to switch these on through like formalized training. And then that allows pressure to be taken off the passive system so when you talk about the strength work and, and obviously you, you know you've got you could do specific stuff and maybe even get a good pt to write your program specific to your needs or something yeah. like that i, I would sorry, sorry say single leg deadlift glute bridge glute clam yep um as i said i can send through a show notes lying on your stomach lifting that upper back especially yep. for swimming elbows into the side not squeezing the shoulder blades together that would get the rhomboids overactivated, which can affect how the shoulder blade can move so elbows into the side and extend and again as you said we can just post those in the show notes um, yeah so like simple ones as you said like a, and a couple like just core ones but again make sure that you're finding that neutral spine and lifting that that stomach up to engage the core so if you had like some modified kind of superman or bird dog or kind of plank a glute bridge glute clam um and single leg deadlift you wouldn't go too far wrong Okay. And literally like doing around 40 minutes of that once a week would be really helpful. 40 minutes and get it burning. People okay. you have to challenge like, it. don't be afraid of doms. That's an idea. Like, yeah. Cause I have, I have patients come to me and sometimes they're like, Oh yeah. Like my back's still sore or this hip isn't getting right. Say the first time I do this, I do this cat, I do this glute stretch, you know, your piriformis, I bring the leg up. Yep. It's like you're sitting for 10 hours a day. Yeah. you think 30 seconds of a glute stretch is going to get the, you need to burn these these are so lazy yeah it's unbelievable like so yeah. you know like your 30 your 30 second stretch is not going to do it so if people can kind of accept that you know reality is a lot sweeter for them then so you feel the burn so um one thing, one, thing, burn, yeah. one thing one thing we you know there seems to be a bit of a shifting uh, philosophy around how to deal with an injury if you actually have it and you know a lot of people think just you know pull off don't do anything yeah. have a rest uh, what is the thinking behind what you should do if you are injured yeah it's actually changed a lot um so especially with tendon injuries it used to be like just complete rest and again look if it's something acute it's sore i would still recommend say resting for say four days yeah. but the things of the times of resting for say like one or two or three weeks um are kind of gone the research kind of shows now for a tendon that a tendon needs load so we talked about being overloaded but it needs an appropriate amount of load mm -hmm. so what the research shows now is that there's better outcomes when if you have a tendon say like your achilles tendon is sore as long as it doesn't go above three out of ten you should continue to run the thing thing being not being worse than three out of 10 as you run and the next day to not be any sore than it was okay. the yep. morning you woke up. So it's maintaining that level, not going worse. Maintaining a level and it keeps a stress through the tendon, which keeps the tendon strong. Okay. And then say, say if you're rested, so you might have to reduce how much you're doing to keep that. So say you were used to do like 60 minute runs or back to 30, you stay at 30, but then you get to 35, 40 yep. 45 still with this little bit of persistent pain hopefully when you're back to 60 and then you maintain that with that little bit of pain that the pain then will gradually subside as the tendon has that load you'd also again can sit can want to also you know either get your um physio sessions on that or foam roll the 
the areas that might be tight that might be pulling on that area and then as i said not only strengthening uh, me personally i'm more about strengthening the other areas that aren't taking the load and then if that's not working strengthening the area that's already loaded um to try finish off that exercise so it's not we still need to do our rehab but it's not a thing of just rest completely until it's grand and then come back because then oftentimes you're not kind of fixing the problem or the tendon has got weaker yeah so then you go back and the same problem occurs again and when you talk about loading with this level you know like i always thought of this um with tendonitis it was always eccentric loading was what you really want to focus on is, is that sort of the thoughts around that yeah yeah eccentric loading is still the it's the highest amount of load you can put through it and yeah. it's, when we land that's how we we kind of land eccentrically yeah um like there is a good bit of research out there like you know anderson on heel drops heel raises nordic curls um personally for me i i do like say like even for nordic curls for hamstrings i would tend to just feel that the hamstrings in a lot of times are overloaded they're overworked yeah. so if you got the glutes working more okay. it would allow less pressure on the on the hamstrings but so again the peripheral muscles to do the work which is going to allow the peripheral the, muscles yeah. to do the work and again the body is kind of structured that every second joint so if you're trying to think of what to work on every second second joint is either primarily mobile or stable so what i mean by that is that you're the arch of your foot we always hear, you know, if I've fallen arches, that's the problem. So we need to work on like the, the foot muscles. We do this by, you know, doing some of our balance work barefoot. You might do like 10 minutes of barefoot running. The ankle should be mobile. It should be, it has, it should have a good range of motion. So that's a joint that you want to focus on your foam rolling, focus on, you could do heel drops, heel raises, as long as the key key isn't overloaded more as a mobility exercise or like, making sure that there's good range of motion at the mobile at the at the ankle the knee is just a hinge joint that should stay straight so all our exercises just focus on the knees over the middle of the of the foot the hip it should be mobile so again we should keep that uh free and flexible but like you know the world's greatest stretch with that deep hip flexion that we can tend to lose Mm -hmm. our lower back should be stable so that's our core stability our upper back should be mobile that's where as i said we'll put it in the show notes that extending and moving through the upper back so uh, shoulder blades should be stable so good shoulder blade stability exercises um the shoulder should be mobile like google is a great friend then youtube as long as you know okay i need to get good mobility at my ankle hip thoracic spine upper back and i need to focus on stability or balance at my um my foot my knee should be stable and my core that's a great way to like preface what's going wrong and generally generally when those things are out of sync is when we get an injury for example a lot of people get because we sit we get very tight through our hips yeah so we're not moving well through our hips which causes us to move excessively through our back and now our back gets overloaded or the knee buckles in because mm. the ankle's not moving well and the hip's not moving well. So we're moving too much at the knee, um, which causes the knee to be loaded more than it's it's used to, um, which can cause an injury. And then, as I said, I find sometimes people then are doing like, they're trying to strengthen the knee, like do squats and lunges through the knee. But it's like, you no, know, correct the falls underneath that and then build back into those exercises rather than, you know, if we use that analogy, Bevan, of you were in the car, I'm fighting two people. Yeah. 
their thing is like, well, let's get Owen stronger. It's like, no, let's wake up Bevan and let yeah. you take a few licks. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I'm happy to stay asleep. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know what I mean? It's yeah, like, oh, yeah. the two of them are together. It's like, let's make Owen super strong so he can take all these hits. It's like, yeah. you know, maybe just wake up Bevan and he take a little bit of the pressure <laughs> and then I can get stronger again. Yeah. Hey, I would have run out of time. So you, we were going to talk a little bit about running mechanics, but maybe just give me a quick overview of that because we want to talk about your product. So, um, Tell us a little bit about running economy. Running economy, I think I said this was a lovely study I saw. I can't remember the name, but I can again put it in the show notes for people who want it, that they found that like, you know, plyometrics or running economy is like one of the three things that we um, that we need. The first one is uh, VO2 max, lactic threshold, and then running economy, how yeah, smooth yeah. we are. Efficiency. A way, yeah, efficiency. A way we can improve that that running stride is through jumping rope or skipping. Yeah. What they found was that a group did, I think for 12 weeks, they did skipping twice to three times a week for about three minutes, three to yeah. five minutes. The other group just did extra running in that time. After the 12 weeks, the group had done jumping rope or skipping, had increased like plyometric performance, um, had better like stiffness through the tendons, so they were able to transfer yeah. pressure through, so better running economy, which equated to better 3K times of about 3%. Oh, wow. Compared to the other group, yeah, the other group had no plyometric improvements and improved running times of about 1.5%. So it's uh -huh. a double improvement. Yeah. So I just have my, run, my jumping rope in the car. The key with this, which is great, is that um, – it's a self-limiting exercise. Yeah. If you can't, if you, you if you can't skip or jump rope, you just keep hitting the rope. Yeah. So time three minutes. If you only get over the rope four or five times, that's fine. You'll get better with time. Yeah. And that time allows your body to adapt appropriately rather than doing a load of jumping. Yeah. The other thing as well is if you're trying to improve running strides, I have people come to me asking, I want to improve my running mechanics and what do I do? Get the building blocks right. Get your good movement through your yeah. ankle, your hip, your upper back. Yep. Get stable through your, your foot, your balance. Um, and then work on coordination drills like your A skips, B skips, yep. skipping. But don't then focus on running form excessively. In strides, you can work on like keeping your head up or trying to get on your toes. But when running, just run. Your body will naturally take what it take what it needs from these building blocks and it will leave what it doesn't and consciously you might not understand why that is but subconsciously the brain is so much more um engaged than um than we give a credit for and sometimes we can consciously try oh i'll be on my toes when i run and yeah. i see people get a lot more injuries and there was a really nice study where people who focused on their running form another group focused on their breathing another group was, was watching tv and the t group that watched TV had better running efficiency than the other two groups because oh, their brain isn't trying to work out what it's doing. Their body just knows what to do. Oh, interesting. So, so add some skipping, do some drills, forget about it when you're out exactly. there. Add some skipping. Make sure you have the building blocks, which are good mobility yeah. in the ankle, hip, and upper back. Good stability in like cool. do some balance work, do some like your hip exercises and some core work and then do some coordination running drills or some strides are really good and yeah. then forget the rest just mm -hmm. run and you'll naturally improve watch tv you when, you, when you're doing a marathon <laughs> you know? just, just like if you're trying to improve like try focus on external things so it's good to be upright yeah. but 
okay, don't look at the ground, look straight ahead. Yeah. That will naturally put you in a better position and then you're running with better form. Nice. So you've got, you've got, a, you've got a product that you brought out. So tell us about it. Yeah, brilliant. So I have this uh, new product. I'm very excited about it. It's called the Back of Wearer Belt. So it's a wearable technology. You just put on a, a simple belt and it gives It kind of looks like a bit of a, a, a kind of a, a lightweight belt. It looks like a lightweight belt. It's yeah. super light, yeah. yeah. Um, you can wear it underneath your clothes either or you can wear it above your clothes. So what's great about it is it gives you feedback instantly on your back position. So the belt vibrates or you can see your back position on the app. What that allows is confidence that you're doing exercises correctly. So we want to make sure that we're doing exercises correctly thing I would have seen with a lot of my patients was they come back and they might be doing things wrong or if we're working out at home we're not sure if we're doing it correctly so at least when you have the belt on you can see your position and um you can know you're you're, you know you're doing it uh you know you're doing it right so yeah it's exciting like we're just um and so the whole idea is it's giving you feedback through like little pulses and vibrations is if you're coming out of form yeah, exactly. And then if you want, you can see, you can track your position on the app. So you can either just oh, use great. it, do the exercises. Yeah. And we do like Pilates courses where for runners, like our sports Pilates for triathletes as well too. And we use the belts then just to make sure that people are doing it right. Yeah. So it's like that confidence because, you know, if you're doing a plank, but you're like slight arched the back, well, now you're using your back muscles and the yeah. core isn't being used. So you're kind of like tightening up the hip flexors and the back muscles yeah so even though you're trying to do the right thing you're actually not getting the benefits you should and it's like you know the great thing is same with training like why i always recommend people to have a coach is it takes no more time to do the right thing than the wrong thing yeah you know but the results can be massively different and we all put too much time and effort into our training not to um you know not not to get the results that you should like if you're out training for an hour or if you're doing if you're taking time away from your family to do some strength work and try to keep yourself healthy. It's just to make sure that you're doing it correctly. So, you know, I'm super excited. I've been working on it for like over two, three years. So it's just getting a bit Hey, so if people want to find out about it, where do they go? You can go to backawarebelt.com. So B-A-C-K-A-W-A-R-E-B-L-T.com. It's all one word. And if people, I have a load of articles and I have a book called Get to Line in the Best Shape Possible. Um, so if people want to free download of that, they can just go to Everard Pilates. So it's my name, E-V-E-R-A-R-D, Pilates, P-I-L-A-T-E-S dot com slash book. Awesome. Well, I'll put a link to that in the show notes. If you want to see through a little clip, I'll put that in the show notes as well. Um, well yeah. Thank you very much, Owen. It's great having you on the show. And, and what's the next running goal? Are you still got ambition with your running or is it where you're at right now? You know what? When I, ro- I broke that 10K, that was last big running goal so i don't know i'm just going to do a few races and reevaluate and you know maybe just and try and enjoy it like i i love it anyway so yeah um but i just gotta see what i'll do i think i might just try one win a few like local road races and nice. i'll see I'll, I'll uh just mess around with it a bit now get the challenge up hey awesome thanks for coming on the show mate bevan thank you so much for having me i really appreciate that I actually really enjoyed that interview because if you even listened to it, John, but it was really cool talking to him about when he was doing the elite running stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing he talked about, which people would have heard, but he, and this was really cool, it was a bit of a bit of like the Peter Reed moment. So he was talking mm-hmm. about how he had a really bad year as an athlete and he was gutted and he realized no one rejected him. Mm-hmm. Like, he, you know, and he said once it happened, 
his career was completely different because after that moment, like suddenly he realized people love me no matter what. Mm. I'm accepted no matter what. It's actually not about my performance. And it totally shifted his career. And that's a, that's a really nice. interesting insight, eh? Because mm. there's a lot of athletes who are driven by, I want to, you know, the Peter Reed is I, I need to prove myself. Yeah. And then you realize people don't mind too much. Yeah. I like you. It was a really interesting insight. So there you go. There, there is. Um, I'll put a link to now. He sent through a video, so I'll put that on the show notes, um, and also um, I'll put a link to where you can find his work there. Anyway, Jonbo, let's go. Age group of the week. week. A few now, weeks ago, we did the eighteen to thirty-nine year old age groups um, racing at St George World Championships, and we want to give a bit of glory to those in the age groups from forty to fifty-nine. Bevan will do the males; I'll do the females, and just yeah, recognise the winners. That was the World Championships. Yeah, maybe it wasn't Kona, but still, geez, that forty to forty-four man—he bloody smoked it. Anyway, Bevan, thinking, what am I doing? I'm doing what doing, age group are we doing? We're doing forty to forty-four males. You're starting, and then I'll click into the females. Okay, it's just coming up right now. My internet's a bit slow today for some reason. Good old Christian Storza from Germany, twenty-third overall for a time of. 8.40.45 years, Dojo domination. Got a Ryan Miller from Australia got second. He won by 23 minutes. That is a crushing victory. But it's good to see different nationalities there. Um, that is a real mixed field. You've got a uh, German, Australian German. What's yeah. that one there? Is that, is that like I don't have in yeah, front Mexico, of me. I think it is. Mexico. Then we've got like a Belgium. Then we've got like a Croatia, UK, America. And then we've got um, Ecuador. Good, so, good padding. I was, I was, I was struggling yeah. to get mine up. Okay, and females, I knew, I knew <laughs> females, forty-four. Suto Surinen from Finland took it out. Ten hours, thirty minutes. Nice work. Oh, well, give me a bit more because I <laughs> talk it out. She, bit, she mate, won by on. seven minutes over Katrin Esfeld from Germany and Katrina Grolz also from Germany. So European washout in the females. 44. What do you reckon you could have done, St George and John? Because this is your age group now. Uh, I'm, I'm in your age group. Yeah, what do you reckon you could have pilled it off in? Let's have. I'll have a quick. No, don't look at. Don't look at the times. Um, well, the swim's always going to be swim and transition for me would be 55ish, something yep. like that. Although my swim's pretty shizer at the moment. Yeah, I've heard about that. Uh, on that bike course, oh god, I wouldn't have thought I'd ride. Um, maybe five, five oh, five oh five, five ten, five ten. So okay. let's call that six six oh five. Okay. And then on that run, probably a three ten. So well, you would have won the you would be the world champion. Okay, so, <laughs> so I wouldn't have done those times <laughs> you be, then. You so you're saying about nineteen. So you'd 9, be 15. a world champion yeah. if you had gone to St. George. Oh, I should have done it. You Damn it. Oh, you stuffed up kind of talk. <laughs> Good old Bryce Williams from the United States took it out in nine seventeen fifty seven. And then same guy who, who He's won Kona before, so yeah, a German guy, he did he did nine twenty five. So okay. it's obviously a pretty tough course. Looking at that field, yeah. I would have been happy with a sub ten. Although you would have got, you probably would have got. Oh, who knows? I'm not. <laughs> yeah, I'm not in my prime any longer, Bevan. No, you've you've still got it. I tell you, it's not in their prime. It's me. I could, if I try to do an Ironman, yeah. I've had another dojo domination. He all thirty seconds shy of a dojo domination. Constance Mulcher from um, Austria. She took it out in ten thirty nine. Females forty five to forty nine, winning by. 19 minutes in about 40 seconds. That's sensational. Good old Olaf Kasten from Germany. Took it out in 9.36.48 in the 50 to 54 category. And then, uh, yeah, and that's it, isn't it? Oh, we'll go 50s. Okay. 50, 54 females. Benny Grass Thompson 
took that out. Uh, again, really close to a dojo domination, American, uh, 10.38, winning by about 19 minutes. And then lastly, I'm going to do my last one, Kevin Kacha from Australia. Australia. He did a 10.23.11, close racing, but because Renault Dompuri from Switzerland um, he did a 10.23.58, so there was only 40 seconds in it. Now, let me see if there was a rundown. Let me pull here. So, he ran a 3.27, and he ran a... Yeah, so he got him at the end, John. Oh. Yeah, good old Chris, um, Renault, is it? Renault did a, a 3.45 run, but good old Kevin from Australia... Mm-hmm. He did a 3.27, so he basically must have took him out for about a 500 metres to go. However, I wonder if it was a rolling start and you didn't know that. Oh, was it a rolling start? It George? probably would have been. No, it would have been age group categories. Don't know. I don't they know. They can't rolling start at World Championships. They can do whatever they bloody no, want. No, they cannot. <laughs> they can have different time starts. I totally agree with you. There's no way they had a rolling start. Okay. It's just been controversial, Newsom. Well, let's hope. If, if somebody did race at George and they had a rolling start, let us know. And then Bevan and I can oh, rant. We'll be like ranting forever nuts. about that. Last one, females, 50-59. This is where we had the Americans starting to crush it. Julie Dinkle, Dunkle took it out in 11.46, and it definitely was a dojo domination. She won by nearly 45 minutes or so. That's a crushing. And we only had one Japanese female in the top 10. And it looks to me uh, in, what's that, one, two, three, four, fifth place, Leslie Nib finished in 13.21. I'm picking, that's probably Taylor Nibb's mother, the very good uh, ITU, or not ITU, world triathlon athlete uh, who crushed it last year at the Collins Cup and also did really well at 70.3 Worlds as well as some world triathlon series races. So mum's still, mum still in there. John, it looks like the Germans are the best country. Right. Based and on my quickly looking at top 10s. That would match up, I think. That would be a good question in terms of age group, age group. Co- yeah, in, in Kona and World Championships, what is the most dominant country in terms of getting top fives? Because amazing is like there are a few Americans in the means, but not a huge amount considering it's a race in America. Mm. You know, and they probably get more slots. Uh, well, there's more races, so yeah. yes. Yeah. So interestingly, it looks like the Germans are probably the best triathlon nation in the world. No. Okay. Yeah, they would be, wouldn't they? Uh, I would. If I had to put money on, I'd say probably yes. Yeah, because even you look at the champions, mm. you know, in the last period of time. Yeah. Where was the last awesome female German? Um, well, Nina Kraft. Debatable. <laughs> mm, uh, outside assistance. Yeah. Uh, well, Annie Haug is the current. Uh, okay. Well, no, she's not the current world champion anymore. She was a previous world champion. Yeah, okay. Prior to that, I'd have to put my thinking hat on. Hmm, it's not so obvious on the female Well, uh, and then you've got Laura Phillip at the moment as well and Daniela Blamler. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, have to have a think about that. Okay, John, let's go one, two, two three, three, four. four. High five. five. Okay, five things that people don't often mention about Kona and also what, what? five things John's enjoying, enjoying once here. I guarantee one of them, smooth roads. Yeah, we're going to we have a little bit of negativity here because don't you get frustrated with social media and everyone's happy and everything's uh, fantastic all the time. It's all a lie. And I'm as critic- I can be criticised there as well. I don't post that much, but it's usually happy pictures. But sometimes... With your cube bike? With my cube bike, <laughs> yeah. Blue 70 gear, whatever it is. Um, but Kona's awesome and I'm not dissing Kona here. But you don't, you want to have your expectations in the right place when you go somewhere. You don't want to think everything's going to be amazing and it's all going to be roses everywhere like that. So I've got five things that people don't mention that much about Kona that you want to be ready for. And then five things that I'm looking forward to. I'm actually in Kona 
what is today? Today's Tuesday, so that means it's Monday over there. What are we doing today? Yesterday we biked the majority of the Ironman course. Nice. And today we are running in the Energy Lab. We're going to swim the Ironman course, and then we're going to run from the Energy Lab back into town. How long is that? I could almost add this to the list. How long Five is that? things. Uh, it's twelve k's. Um, so there we go. Actually, I'll start. That it can be number one. The run from the energy lab back to town. It's not the most stimulating run. Not fun. I would not put it anywhere on my fun list, especially when it's not on race day. You got, you're not allowed to run the energy lab normally, or do you actually do it on the camp? Uh, no, there's a different entrance point now, so okay. you can't drive in where you used to. But it's a miser- It's a miserable run. You run out of the energy lab. You're getting hot, and, and when you're not acclimatized, when you get onto the Queen K. Every year on this camp, people are exploding. Yeah. They're just not heat acclimated at all. Even on a 12K run? 12K run. Oh, it's 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 really, really hot uh-huh. when you're not used to it. Uh, and we do it in the middle of the day, early afternoon, so it's peak peak sun conditions. Okay, so John's gone with the six one first. So I'll go number one. Uh, there are a few beaches, and there's a small with few exceptions. On the upside, usually quiet. And quite a few hidden gems off the beaten track. It is true. What's the main one that's down the uh, uh, on Alehi Drive? You've got one beach that go, you know, at where the swim venue is. There's a teensy little beach. Further along, there's uh, Magic Sands, but that's still pretty poxy, pretty small beach. Yeah. So you think Hawaii? I mean, lots of beautiful it's not great beaches. Surf beach either, is it? No. Further, all the way down where, where the seventy point three used to be held, beautiful beach down there, Harpuna, and there is a couple of others around there that are where really nice. Where did the nice. mountain snail get lost? Oh, that was when we. That's again. That's this tiny beach where you swim across to Captain Cook's, um, Captain Cook's sort of monument, and we did that on Saturday on the was first day. Was he swimming day. that day? He was swimming, wasn't he? Oh yeah, he got completely off. He was. He was. He was. We were worried, bloody we? Tahiti. Yeah, yeah. We're like, where's the mountains now? Yeah, <laughs> and the problem is, you know, you look out in the ocean, you can't see anything. Yeah, and we're really, we're getting a bit worried, and then luckily, he kind of just appeared. So the swimming, he had his flippers, didn't he? He did. Yeah. In the water, swimming is beautiful. It's just there's not many beaches. So don't get your expectations that there's lots of beaches. Uh, number two, the Queen K is fairly busy and you get quite a lot of punctures because the shoulder, it's a nice big shoulder that carries plenty of crap on it. However, it is a nice big shoulder. Yeah, it's a massive shoulder. But it's on the downside, shoulder. you get lots of trucks going along there and lots of just little bits off tyres and stuff like that. It's, we get a lot of punctures. So Queen K, it sounds, it sounds romantic, it sounds just beautiful, but the Queen K is a straight road and you're just on your aero bars, just cranking it, and there's quite a bit of traffic. I'm going to say you're a bit picky on this one. You think so? The supermarkets aren't amazing. What's so bad about the supermarkets? The supermarkets are shit. Is that an American thing, but? No, that's a kind of thing. Why? I think. Well, no, uh, yeah, I haven't done extensive travel in America. Uh, it's just a location. It's hard to get lots of things. So if you want lots of specialist sort of stuff, supermarkets are pretty, pretty ordinary. Safeway is okay, but compared to a good supermarket, at least in New Zealand, it's not, it's not cutting the mustard. What do New Zealand do better at a supermarket? Not, not just the supermarket overall, but what's the food where you go, Kiwi wins? Because America, they win peanut butter. Bullsh, no way. Oh, Absolutely. Oh, maybe nowadays because you've got yeah, the Fix and Fog. Yeah. But fix and Fog, they export to America and they're cranking. They've they probably got that at the supermarket. Yeah. But everything's peanut butter in America. Oh, the peanut butter in America is horrendous. Oh, God, it's a sugar, it is it? just, I can't even eat it. Okay, what's and I what? love peanut butter. Okay, what do America do well and what do we do well? See, to me... We win yogurt any day of the week. Oh, yeah, and By cheese. country mile. Yeah, yeah, Dairy, we win. Dairy, we just take them down. We win. Um, what do America do well? <laughs> sugar. Yeah, sugar. <laughs> An aisle of sugary drinks. They do go. big. Yeah. They do it. Costco, they do Costco. Yeah. And you can go and bulk buy. I do like the style there. Okay, next one, John. This is uh, a biggie. 
there's only one, only really one bike shop in Kona, and it is a very good bike shop. I do like it, but when you're trying to get anything done, when everyone's trying to go to one bike shop, it's a bit of a challenge. Last one, uh, with the exception of parts of Elite Drive, the course has few spots for spectators on race day. It is true, although mm. it, it's actually a pretty good spectators course. Because you basically watch this film, it's awesome. For spectators, yeah, but yeah. for an athlete, you're on your own. Oh, you're, you're on your own experience. for a lot of okay. time. Because it's a quite a fun day. Because you basically go watch the swim, go have some breakfast, or go up to watch everyone bike out of town. Mm. Go get some kai. Nowadays you can watch it on the net while you're kind of doing it. People come back in town and you watch the run. It's yeah, Kona is awesome, but it's a few things that aren't so awesome. What What are you looking forward to? So this will, we'll do a quick fire on these. So five things I'm looking forward to. I'm in Kona, and what I'm enjoying is the smooth roads. Loving it. Pretty much all the way around the island. Like we do a tour around to to, to Hilo, and uh, and there's the roads around there. They get some potholes and stuff, but they're still smooth. You know, like um, you can keep good speed. And the second thing looking forward to is clear, warm water and sea life. So the stories you hear, you do see turtles, you do see dolphins, and it's bloody awesome when you see them. Uh, and that's just regular swimming at the the pier. Not every day. Um, but you know, maybe one in five, you get to see some yep. some really good stuff. Consistent weather. Bevan asked, I think, on last week's show, what's this weather going to be? And you know, when you go over there, it's going to be thirty degrees pretty much every day. Uh, there might be some wind. The only caveat to that is if you go on the other side of the island around Hilo and um, volcano, it's going to get wet a lot. Uh, number five, number four. Um, a good atmosphere, and this isn't just at the. I'm not talking Hawaii there, but like the seventy point three over there. It's just got a good vibe. Just a, a relaxed island style vibe. They do it really, really well at that race. Even just the Hawaiian people. Like mm. I remember we were, we were probably at the supermarket. Yeah. <laughs> you were complaining. And, uh, <laughs> and this guy comes up and he goes, okay, how you going, mate? He goes, mate, it's awesome. Every day is awesome in Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> Good call. Has generally got a good atmosphere. And number five, what I'm looking forward to is going on a tour. Kona is more than just about the Queen K go and look around different parts of the island and even though I've been there lots of times I still really enjoy just doing a, a tour and same with like going to Challenge Road and stuff like that it's just cool to go and get off the beaten track a little bit and go and find some different places okay there you go it's a high five for both what's, what, what not, what's not so good in Kona what people don't mention and what John's looking forward to let's say thank you to our patrons John Ben Mystery Walton <laughs> Phil the rich uncle that's, that's funny Love it's it. only funny for me yeah but the rich uncle Scott and Adrian Projectile Berry. If you want to become a patron, go to me. Uh, you can also get your show emailed to you on the same page. If you want some coaching or or get some coaching from coachjohnnewsome.com, also check out his Epic Camps at epiccamp.com. For my podcast, so I would put a show out yesterday, so you can go to bevanjamesos.com. Other content, imtalkpodcast at gmail.com. Jombo, your goss. So I'm in Kona, as you've probably heard. What's going to be an interesting experience for me this week is going into a race where I'm going to have to go through a lot of the field because it's a rolling wave start. Last time, last time I did the rolling wave start for the first time, we were the first wave to go. So I was like the first person into the swim and it was all hunky-dory. Yep. This time around, I haven't, they haven't published when we're going to start, but it seems like they're consistent each year. Uh, and my age group, I think, is going to start. Oh, so it's an age group starts. Yeah, age group rolling, rolling. wave oh. starts. 
And so if it's consistent with previous years, I would have started at, uh, in my old age group, 40-44, I think starts first, maybe at 6.30 or something like that. And then the age group I'm now, I'm aged up 45 to 49. We're starting like 50 minutes later, so it's 7.20. Oh, wow. So a couple of things going on there that I've got to factor what's in. What's the gap between the age, age group category? Like, what's the swim uh, gap? I, I, I can't remember. Because are you going to be swimming through lots of people as well? Yes, potentially. Oh, so, so, so those are the challenges I've got to think about is A, swimming through a lot of people. Um, B, biking through a lot of people. And, yeah. you know, just... Biking's and, not so bad, but swimming... And on that course, you've got a nice wide road yeah. and it's straight. It should swimming be okay. But... But, but going in and out of like with aid stations, when I've got to go into aid stations, if you've got a lineup of slow people in front of you and you're trying to grab a bottle, so that's sort of slightly concerning for me. And then on the run, you know, it shouldn't be so bad, but you're still going to be running past a lot of people compared to what I'm used to. So I'm not moaning and groaning. I probably sound like I am. Yep. It's just going to be a different experience. And I am slightly concerned about, you know, crashing into people because, um, when I'm on that last lap of the run, I can't change directions very quickly, or you, you know, your legs start yeah, to buckle and things like that. And likewise on the bike, so it's just going to be a different experience to me, which is going to be interesting. It is. There's. It is a completely different race, isn't it? Because there's an energy taken away. Hmm. You know, because you're navigating, telling people to move. Hmm. I can't remember the Queensland the last race I did. It was Queensland Half Marathon a few years ago, and coming into it's, it's, it's a great race but the last couple of cases are so stupid because they go through this narrow have you done it? oh I know what you're meaning yeah yes. around the, the gardens yeah and they've got this mm. and, and they, they let 10k so basically if you're a fast half marathon and you hit all the 10k walkers mm. and you hit that path there mm. and I'm kind of I'm trying to smash myself and all you're doing is yelling excuse me <laughs> literally yelling out yeah and people don't hear and then they look behind you start running into them and yeah it was, you know, like I wanted to put my focus on smashing myself to the end, which I still did do, but it, there is an energy and ultimately you're doing that all day. Hmm. Yeah, so so it's going to be, it's a great race. Looking forward to it. And what's today? Today is Tuesday. So today we are biking from Hilo over to, Man- oh, actually, well, the ne- the, today or tomorrow we're biking from Hilo to Manalani, which is a beautiful ride on the right day. Do you um think... Is it actually an advantage because you can kind of drafting people lots? Uh, there'll be a little bit of slingshotting, but you've got to kind of do it safely yeah. <laughs> because, yeah, if you're coming up on somebody at, you know, 45k an hour and they're going 20, yep. probably not so much. If you're slingshotting past somebody who's going maybe, you're going 45 and they're going 35, slightly different story. So I'm just, yeah, intrigued to see how it goes. It's, a, it's only a, it's a moderate-sized race. They normally have, you know, 1,500-ish people, I think. Um, be a different story if it was like 3,000. But, um, yeah. And even if you won it, like... you am probably Yeah, it. I know, of course not. But, of course not. Of course not. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> but nowadays you wouldn't even know, would you? No. That's no. a bit of a bummer. Mm. So, I don't know where I'm going to place. I'm down on all three disciplines on where I'd like to be, thanks to bloody COVID. Blame COVID on everything. But uh, not massively. I'd say I'm 10 watts down on where I was hoping to be on the bike. Maybe five seconds a K on the run and, and yeah, a little bit in the swim as well. So should still be competitive enough in the age group, but don't think I'll be troubling the scorers overall. Yeah, well, good luck with that. Thank you. Um, here's a question for you. You're not going to do this, but Top Gun, are you excited? I, I've watched Top Gun it's like a lot of people in our era. So no, John, a I lot didn't. of times. Have I not told you my Top Gun story? I think you have. Well, I'm telling it again. Because <laughs> I didn't see the original Top Gun. Yeah. And it wasn't until about three years ago, Joe said, come on, babe, we've got to watch Top Gun. Now, it's terrible. It's horrendous. It's, 
and he's a cock. Like <laughs> his character is the biggest. Like who's the, who's Bell Kilmer? Who, who was his character's name? Viper or something like that. Okay, so he's actually the good guy because yeah. he's basically saying this guy's reckless. We yeah. need to be careful, and and but I, you, you can't go back and like I thought the A team was amazing. You can watch the A team; yeah. it's absolute crap. Yeah. Um, so you know I get the nostalgia for people, but everyone's saying it's amazing. Yeah, the movies. Yeah, I will watch it. Uh, I used to love Top Gun, but I'm the same now. If I tried watching, I was like, this is horrendous. Yeah. Porno, so, they had this theme song, their song at their wedding. Right. So, no, no, so porno, we have to go see this. Now, next question. What movie did you think you are going to tell, show your kids that you think they'd absolutely love? They didn't have a bar of it. Um, uh, what were the Harrison Ford ones? Um, Indiana Jones. Yeah, I don't, really? don't think they really liked those. They liked a couple of the other ones. But yeah, your classics, your Ghostbusters. What was the winner? They love, they love Ghostbusters? I think they quite like Ghostbusters. Back to the Future was the winner, surely. They what? They did watch all three of them, so they must have had some enjoyment there. Yeah. Star Wars. Don't know. I think the Goonies. I think they enjoyed the Goonies. The Goonies holds up. Yeah. Because I, I, I had a girl who I was kind of dating for a while ago when I was single for a bit, and she she lived in Wellington, so I was a bit. I was more of a shag than anything. Let's be honest. <laughs> but, but she uh, and she sent me the Goonies for some reason. Yeah. And so I watched the Goonies, and and, and this is like before I saw Joe's. So it was a while ago, but. It still held up. It was actually pretty good. Goonies is good. Great characters. Mm. <laughs> Malf Ralph, whatever his name was. Yeah, no, that, that was Happy Days, wasn't it? Oh, uh, um, it was a chubby one. Yeah, what was his name? Oh, I can't remember. Yeah, they all moved out to be pretty famous. One time years ago, Jeff and my mate Jeff and I, we went to. Um, have you ever been to Scared Scriptless? Uh, I think I have. But so it's basically, gone. it's like think of whose who's line is it anyway? Mm. And it's they have it every Saturday night. A local theatre, the theatre, no, our what is it? The court theatre. Court theatre, where they put like plays on every Saturday night after the main play. They they basically have like a whose line is it anyway? And me and my mate Jeff and Kate and Kate and Joe and I went to see it. And they're a bit hit and miss. Sometimes they're brilliant, sometimes they're not. But we went to it, and some guy did the character from the Goonies. And, oh yeah, and he absolutely nailed it. And Jeff and I. We, could, we were crying for laughter for the whole thing. <laughs> and it was like the girls were getting embarrassed by it. Oh, my God. You know when you just can't stop laughing? It was <laughs> so good. Highlight of my life, that was. <laughs> okay, John. Um, oh, my one, I, told, I showed Tyler Big. Oh, yeah. And I thought they would deliver. She yeah. wasn't that into it. Yeah. And then I showed her Back to the Future, but I showed it too young. Right. And, and I'm watching it, and I was thinking, she's going to be loving this. And she turns around, she goes to me, Dad, I don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like... That's what happens when you show it to a four-year-old. So, Good we go. times. Okay, John, well, good luck for the rest of your camp. We'll be back in the show. John's going to have some interviews for you guys next week. So let's wrap it up. I'm Russ. I'm Indo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia, Kia car. car.